Welcome to Discover Library and Archives Canada, your history, your documentary heritage. I'm your host, Jessica Ouvrard. Join us as we showcase treasures from our vaults, guide you through our many services, and introduce you to the people who acquire, safeguard, and make known Canada's documentary heritage. You don't have to go far to see the influence comic books have had on contemporary culture. A quick scan of the top blockbuster movies provides a pretty good indication that the medium is here to stay. You might be surprised to learn, however, that Library and Archives Canada holds an extensive collection of comic books and related material within its vaults. In this episode, we speak with comic book historians Hope Nicholson and Rachel Ritchie about their work and LAC's role in it. Hope and Rachel were recently honoured in Flair Magazine's Top 30 Under 30 feature, which celebrates extraordinary Canadian women under 30 who are changing the world. They were recognized for their groundbreaking work to bring Golden Age comics back into the spotlight. Megan Scanlon, supreme protector of rare books, okay, that's not actually her title, but we like to think of her that way, special collections librarian Megan Scanlon takes us deep into the comic book collection and tells us what can be found there and online. During a recent visit to Toronto, one of our producers, Tom Thompson, took the opportunity to step in front of the microphone to interview Hope Nicholson and Rachel Ritchie. Hi, Rachel. Thanks so much for being here today. Hello. I hear you have some exciting news about uh, a feature in Flare magazine. Could you tell us a bit about that and what that means to you? Um, yeah, okay. So that was kind of a surprise when I got the email about that. Uh, Flare magazine, for the first time ever, like this is their first time doing it, are doing a 30 under 30. Um, I never, ever thought ever in my life that I would be in Flare magazine for like any reason at all. <laughs> Never, never mind for publishing, you know, Golden Age comics, but yeah, so they're doing a 30 under 30 and Hope and I are included for publishing and reprinting uh, Nelvana of the Northern Lights and uh, we also talk about our future projects like uh, Brooke Windsor and Johnny Canuck and so on and so forth. So uh, yeah, it's a it's fantastic um, opportunity and I feel really, really honored by it. And um, on top of that, it's uh, it's a great way to reach out to even, you know, a, a greater readership to, to kind of bring these comics back into pop culture. You know, I feel like it's been a journey and, and like my prime directive for the last, you know, five or six years now has been to get those comics into the public eye and get, you know, get them into the mainstream because they're great and they're totally, uh, totally amazing for everybody to read and to understand and to know that we have this rich comics history. So... Um, I feel like very, uh, it, it's been a great opportunity in, in being able to reach even more Canadians. Uh, I understand that you had a successful um, Kickstarter campaign to get the Nelvana Very back. successful, um, yeah. Why did you think that was so important? Um, well, Nelvana is a very important character on like a multitude of levels. She She's so uh, rich and layered in, in so many ways. I mean, um, some of you know some of the listeners might know that she is uh, uh, an, like a demigoddess, but she's like half um, Inuit. She uh, she's the first female, like the first major female superhero in comics ever. So Which she is amazing. It's just amazing. Yeah, <laughs> she predates she predates Wonder Woman. Um, wow. beyond, yeah, exactly. Um, and beyond that, yeah, you know she's she's Canadian produced and. Uh, she she's a very strong character. She she kind of overshadows a lot of uh, you know female characters in comics from the time, and uh, she 
on top of that, Adrian Dingle is a fantastic artist, like was working in uh, like illustration and advertising for a long time when he started doing the comics. So he, uh, he really adds a lot to the, the art and the texture of the, the, the comics that mm-hmm. a lot of, again, this early art form, this early literary art form didn't have, right. you know? So she's just, she's beautiful. Tom had a conversation with Hope Nicholson about the origins of the Nirvana character. Can you tell us where the inspiration for the Nirvana character came from? Nirvana the Northern Lights was inspired by an Inuit woman named Nirvana, although um, I've recently learned that's not pronounced Nirvana. Oh. <laughs> it's actually pronounced Nirvana. Um, oh, okay. And I learned that from one of the, well, it could be one of two women who was living in Copper Mine Northwest Territories in the 1930s. Okay. Uh, we're not entirely sure which, but I did meet one of their granddaughters, who's mm-hmm. also named Nelvana in oh, wow. traditional Inuit naming tradition. And yeah, and she was the one who told me it's pronounced Nelvana. Right. And uh, one of the Nelvanas, Nelvanas was <laughs> named Connie, and she was uh, an, a, a very kind of traditional woman. She did a lot of, um, you know, artwork, uh, sculpture, and also... Uh, followed traditional ways of preparing caribou and the like. I don't know much mm-hmm. about her, but I've been chatting to her uh, grandson a oh, fair wow. bit. Great. He's been filling me up on her. It's very likely she is the Nelvana that inspired the comic book. Okay. Uh, because at the time, the artist Franz Johnston, who was a member of the group of seven, was traveling Northwest Territories, and he describes meeting an Arctic Madonna named Nelvana. <laughs> wow. And he uh, photographed her and took paintings of her, unfortunately, none of which exist. Mm -hmm. Um, And so because I believe it's Connie and not Cecile, the other Nelvana, because uh, Connie had a child at the time. So I feel like that fits more in with the Madonna naming by Franz Johnston. Anyways, that's another story. (laughs) And yeah, Franz Johnston came back to Toronto, told his friend Adrian Dingle about this amazing woman he met. And Adrian Dingle made her into a superhero. And... In the stories, what is it about Nelvana that uh, makes her a uniquely Canadian superhero or heroine? Well, she's she's incredibly Canadian in a lot of uh, various ways. I mean, her powers are based on the Northern Lights, and uh, she has deep ties to the Arctic people um, who she protects and guides. Um, sometimes in later issues, this turns problematic, unfortunately. <laughs> there are also um, things with their powers. For example, she can command polar bears upon oh, wow. uh, request and ride them into <laughs> battle. <laughs> and her best friend is a Mountie. Okay, oh, that's uh, interesting. So, yeah, so she travels kind of across Canada, really, um, getting into all sorts of adventures. It's, uh, it's quite fun. Hmm. Interesting. What is it about the medium that you think uh, is, makes it survive even in, in an age of digital media where it's taking over? What is it about the hard copy comic books that make it? endure well i think a lot of that is the disposable nature of them you know they're very um thin kind of flimsy easy to take around with you fun Mm. to read printed on glossy paper it's very makes the colors pop and there's definitely a a textural quality that i think is really hard to replicate on well impossible to replicate Mm -hmm. on a digital device that said I can also put a lot more comics on, you know, my Kindle or <laughs> right. what have you than that. But it's it's difficult. It, it, you don't want to zoom in on every panel. With a comic book in particular, your eye wants to wander around the page. Sometimes you want to look at the top of the panel. Sometimes you want to look at the bottom. And with a digital device that's, you know, fairly 
portable, it's not really that easy to do. Right. Um, so I think definitely the medium being a lot different from books where it's not a strict left to right progression. Right. It's, it's all over the place. Right. You let your eye wander to wherever the artist guides you or to wherever you want. So. Which is really interesting because you could even interpret it in a different way, I suppose, you know, by letting your eye kind of, you could sort of jump ahead and mm-hmm. it's, it, it's not, it's not possible with a traditional book, I think. So that's, that's no, an interesting distinction. Not at all. And a lot of artists play with that too. And they know that, uh, you know, when you turn the page, you're just as likely to accidentally see the last line of <laughs> right. the last panel as you are to see the first line. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of times that's played with, especially with, you know, repeating visuals and things like that. And so it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely an interesting medium that a lot of people don't realize is, is very nuanced and very different from any other forms of medium. And do you think that uh, it's a, a source of inf- inspiration for people to, you know, sort of step out of their day-to-day lives and, and jump into a superhero's <laughs> perspective for a while? or? I suppose so. I mean, I definitely really liked superhero comics growing up because especially ones that blended um, people's personal lives. And I guess the most popular one of that would be, uh, you know, Peter Parker's Spider-Man mm-hmm. because there was the combination of him doing his regular things, going around high school, being a nerd, getting picked on, and then going on these adventures and mm-hmm. that. Uh, I, I never personally liked Spider-Man myself because when I was growing up at that time, he was off doing, you know, clone adventures and <laughs> stuff that was very high concept. Uh, right. But I was uh, reading a lot of Dazzler, which was about a, a struggling musician okay. by day who would accidentally be drawn into all these superhero battles by night. Oh, wow make friends with the Avengers and the X-Men, but still want to just pursue her day job. Right. Uh, so that was really fun for me. Um, so, yeah, there is a part of wanting to see yourself reflected, I suppose, in a more superheroic sense. But there's also a need to be grounded in some sort of reality and some sort of human connection to the character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that, that makes a lot of sense why that, that sort of, uh, you know... Peter Parker Spider-Man thing is so popular it, it makes it easy for people to identify with I think. And you see that too with the popularity of new characters like Ms. Marvel the Kamala Khan character um, because people now you know not every person is a Peter Parker. Some people are obviously women or Muslim <laughs> or gay and it's really necessary to see themselves reflected in these comic book characters as well. Like Absolutely. it was great when X-Men was coding it and you know making uh, mutants um synonyms or metaphors for racial or sexual kind of crises but at a certain point you actually need to see the characters identities reflect in the real world too here's tom's conversation with rachel ritchie about the role lac played in the republishing of nelvana of the northern lights and other comics Did you use Library and Archives Canada's collection a lot for that project? We used it a little bit lighter on Nelvana, okay. um, just because we, uh, it, at the time, it was easier to kind of get it from uh, different private collections, mm-hmm. um, especially because a lot of them are local. A lot of the, a lot of the collections, you know, scanned it in and, and sent some things. We got we had a few scans from from Library and Archives Canada, but uh, I'd say. I'd say the other later projects were heavier on, on those okay. scans. I, I mean, as it stands right now, I have several books lined up for the future. And mm-hmm. I have, like, I used it for Johnny Knuck. I will use it for Mr. Monster almost exclusively right. uh, for the next book. And 
as well as Thunderfist and the Brain and so many characters coming up. Polka right. Dot Pirate, you know, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the complete wing is coming as well. So right. you know, there's lots of uh, lots of it. Okay, L- Library and Archives is very present in this. Right. And when you were going through the collection at Library and Archives, did you uh, were you surprised by anything you found in there by the oh. size of the collection? Oh or? yeah, oh yeah. I mean, I mean, basically. I love school. I love learning. I love, you know, like I just, I will never not. Um, I just have that, I need to, like that need to learn, right? So, Me too. Yeah, yeah <laughs> right? Um, so I, I, when I got to the library and archives and when I got the job working on the collection and, and researching it, it was basically like I was getting paid to go to school. It was like all the best parts of school. That's like my job. Yeah, right? <laughs> you understand? Yeah. It was like the best parts of going to school and like none of the bad parts. Like I didn't have to write any papers. I didn't have to, you know, like right. get certain grades. I didn't yeah. have to, you know, and I was getting paid to do it. It was amazing. It was, it is the best job I will have ever had probably. Um, yeah. And, and this, this collection spans that's another thing that was just really amazing for me is that it's been, you know, golden age comics and it went like right up to about early two thousands and it has everything in between from like every era of, of comics that you can imagine. There's the black and white boom in the late eighties, tons and tons of self-published indie books, um, like almost complete runs of the golden age books, um, sci-fi magazines from the, the seventies, you know, early Captain Canuck books, uh, just just such a rich collection and, mm-hmm. and like so full. Cerebus mm-hmm. is in there, like tons of Cerebus. Mm-hmm. Uh, amazing collection. Really, really, truly amazing collection. We asked Library and Archives Canada Special Collections Librarian Megan Scanlon to tell us what comic book related resources are available at LAC and online. LAC's collection of comic books is actually quite large. Uh, it's more appropriate even to say collections because there are a few distinct ones. Two of them are special collections, that is, uh, collections that were given to LAC as collections, and they're treated as a separate, collection. Yeah, yeah. separate collections by LAC. Uh, so the first of these special collections is the Bell Features Collection, which is 382 Canadian comic books published in the 1940s by Bell Features, which was one of the major uh, World War II-era Canadian comics publishers. Um, this collection was actually originally Bell Features' own archive of its publication, so it's quite complete. Uh, and it has been fully catalogued, so if you search for the Bell Features collection in LAC's online catalog, you will find a record that gives more details about exactly what titles w- that are in the collection. Okay. Uh, the second special comics collection at LAC is the John Bell Collection of Canadian Comic Books. This is the most significant collection we have, and as far as I know, it's the only collection of comic books in a research library that's specifically dedicated to Canadian comic books. Um, So there are about 5,000 comics in that collection in French Mm. and English, and a couple in Inuktitut and some other languages as well. It's a wide range of material, um, mainly comics published by Canadian publishers, but it includes also self-published comics and zines and also comics by Canadians published outside Canada, um, as well as more ephemeral things like educational comics published by the provincial and federal governments, and promotional giveaway comics from stores and restaurants. So it's really like... That's a pretty broad range of... It's very interesting. Um, That collection, unfortunately, is uncatalogued, but we do have a list of the holdings. Okay. 
So on top of these two special collections, um, comics published in Canada are also scattered throughout LAC's general published holdings, because um, these have been acquired over the years via legal deposit. So legal deposit is LAC's main collecting mechanism for published materials. Um, legally, every Canadian publisher is required to deposit two copies of all their publications at LAC. So obviously we get, um, well, hopefully <laughs> we get comics published by Canadian publishers. And this would include graphic novels published by, uh, you know, mainstream publishers. Right. As well as comic books published by publishers dedicated to comics. Uh, so there's no guide to these holdings, but they're all cataloged and they're available for researchers. Uh, so to find them, you would just search in our catalog for the title you want. Right. So they're just interspersed throughout the regular collection. Yeah, they're not kept together. They're, it's not a Do they have a subject collection. heading? That I think, used I don't, I can't say for sure that all of them do. Mm -hmm. I think if you searched for um, comic strips Canadian, mm. a lot of things would turn up, but probably not everything. Right. On top of the vast collection of comic books, what other related resources are available at LAC? Uh, well, we do have a fair bit of original artwork. Um, some related to Bell Features, the Bell Features collection that I mentioned earlier came with archival material. So there's textual records about, you know, business records from Bell Features as well as original art. We also have some uh, original artwork related to Captain Canuck, um, the series by Richard Cumley, I think that was first published in the 70s, I want to say. Um, we have some original art from Mark Shanebloom and Gabriel Morissette from their series Anglo Man. Uh, and then John Bell, who donated his collection of comic books, also donated some original artwork and kind of ephemeral material, publicity materials related to comics that he collected over the years. And of course, LAC also, yeah, as I mentioned, through Legal Deposit, collects all books published in Canada. So we have books about Canadian comics in the collection. John Bell also wrote two books, uh, one called Canuck Comics, which was published in 1986. That one is a checklist with a few essays on the history of Canadian comics. And he put together the checklist, I believe, while he was building his collection. So most of the comics on the checklist are in the John Bell collection, which, of course, is now at LAC. So that's a pretty good resource. Mm -hmm. um, and he wrote uh, Invaders from the North, published in 2006, which is a book-length history of Canadian comics, focusing mainly on English Canada. But that's a really good resource, too. Uh, LAC also has two websites about Canadian comic books. And there's one, one of them is Beyond the Funnies, the History of Comics in English Canada and Quebec. And that one does have a section dedicated to French Canadian comics, um, which was written by Michel Vio, who is an expert on that. And then the other uh, website at LAC is the Guardians of the North site that's on the National Superhero in Canadian Comic Art. And it was based on an exhibition put on at the Canadian Museum of Caricature in 1992 that was curated by John Bell. Um, and there's also a physical exhibition catalog that goes with this, okay. also called Guardians of the North, that we have in our collection in French and English. Here's a continuation of Tom's conversation with Rachel Ritchie. Why do you think it's important for Library and Archives Canada to maintain a comic book collection? So I think it is important for them to maintain a comic book collection because it is, it is a part of... Of, of popular culture and popular culture is often diminished because it's fleeting because it's um, it, it, it has no 
maybe intellectual or academic or, you know, people just kind of feel like it's superficial, so it's not worth anything. But it is basically grassroots. It is basically folk, you know, like no matter what you've got, this is what people on their day-to-day life want to read. You know, this is why, you know, comics from the 40s are worth thousands of dollars Mm -hmm. because people in the 40s thought it was pointless and we're going to throw it away. (laughs) But people, you know, like 70 years later, like that's something that, you know, like, I want, I would want to read. I would want to access. I would want to have. So it's really important for, for, uh, library and archives to, to maintain this collection for people to return to. Um, and again, like I was saying before with the zines, you've got, you know, people like that's, I say, you know, superhero stuff or anything else is, is, is grassroots or is, is, you know, like ground level comics, but there's even like, there's probably like over six or 700 small, like independent self-published zines so you've got like individual canadians making comics themselves because they love you know like their stories what they're making what they're thinking and it's such a perfect examination of a certain culture of canada that you know like you don't see in magazines that you don't see you know right that's important. Right. That's really important. You well, know? and as as a document of the times as well to exactly. see what the the kind of topics were, the fears were, that sort of thing. Exactly. Like that is that is ground level right there. That mm-hmm. is primary documents. That is like that is a hundred percent. Like it's almost as good as an interview. You know, mm-hmm. and you're getting it from I don't know everybody. Like, yeah, that's good stuff. That's mm-hmm. that's something that deserves and needs to be protected. And that that's something that. Again, popular culture in, in whatever country doesn't really get, so it's important to preserve that. Here's Hope Nicholson talking about some of her upcoming projects. And so what are you, what, what's your newest project? What are you working on right now? Well, I guess that's Brock Windsor. At least he's at the printer right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was another 1940s comic book that was printed in Canada and came along a few years after Nelvana. The creator of Brock Windsor was actually a Winnipeg artist who moved to Vancouver. And he then created a character called Brock Windsor, who's this uh, kind of medical doctor who's also an adventurer who gets lost in the land beyond the mists in the middle of Lake of the Woods. (laughs) And so he goes to this magical land where uh, everyone's a giant, there's uh, advanced technology, everyone is also uh, native, uh, which you don't really see in comic books of that time period, or, Mm -hmm. you know, even today, it's still a very stereotyped kind of thing, which Mm -hmm. is uh, part of the reason I'm doing another project called Moonshot, which is a collection of indigenous comic books um, that focus on different identities uh, and communities from across Canada and the States. Mm -hmm. And yeah, kind of shows a lot of fantastical stories, but also, you know, very small traditions and things that people just really aren't aware of. Mm-hmm. I heard some mention of a, a super secret project with Margaret Atwood. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Are you allowed to say anything about that? A little uh, hint I'm for us? A, or? I'm allowed to say that I'm working on a super secret project <laughs> with Margaret Atwood. And yes, I don't know how much she wants me to say about it yet. So <laughs> All right. I'm, I'll wait for her to take the first strides of that. But she did say that I could mention that I was working on a super secret project with her. <laughs> it's, nice. it's coming along well, I can say that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very excited, of course. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be something unlike that I've done to date, definitely. And yeah, when she approached me, I was just uh, kind of floored. And I, I, 
you know, I still like to, I still kind of doubted myself. And so every so often I have to like double check my emails being like, all right. <laughs> and really I, happening. <laughs> well, for a while I actually went to go meet her uh, to talk about the project and uh, she didn't show up because, um, unfortunately assistant put in the wrong day in her calendar. Oh, okay. And so I'm like, okay, so it's clear that someone is just <laughs> fooling around with me and they just have a fake email address and whatever. But I, I still show up the next day because she emailed and said to meet up and then she actually showed up and I'm like, okay, I haven't been catfished. <laughs> and that's how she learned uh, what the word catfished meant. So, nice. yeah. Tom asked Rachel Ritchie why she thought the campaign to republish Nelvana of the Northern Lights was such a success. Nelvana, we were asking on the Kickstarter, we asked for 25000 And, you know, we were, I was expecting to make, I was expecting to make it. I mean, we had somebody backing us up just in case. But I was expecting to make 25000 maybe a week before the end of the 30-day period. Mm-hmm. We made 25000 before we had our launch party. We made 25000 <laughs> five days into That's the campaign. Incredible. That's how badly people, like this, like Novana exploded. That's how badly, I mean, women are, you know, especially in comics and, and comics culture, are kind of desperate for like a strong, good like group of female characters. I mean, we're getting we're, there's some more than ever now. Mm-hmm. There's like a female Thor. There's Miss Marvel who's out right now. There's a Squirrel Girl. I could go on for ages. There's like tons. Like it's a, it's a booming culture. I mean, mm-hmm. women readership is the most consistent readership. Okay. But within five days, we raised our goal, and then we doubled it. We more than doubled our goal wow. over the period of the month. So wow. it was reassuring from the Kickstarter that that there was an interest here. Um, and it's well, and that, imp- that proves the importance right there in a sense. Exactly. Right? You know, exactly. Uh, immediate validation. I, right. I couldn't have asked for. Must have been so exciting. It was so exciting. <laughs> I mean, we, we raised in the first couple of hours, I think we raised like $5,000. Wow. Uh, and I was like on the floor. <laughs> I was like, I could not believe it. I'm like, I, I can't believe this is happening at this rate, you know? Yeah. And uh, we were going to have a launch party for the campaign to kind of draw the attention of, Mm -hmm. you know, like local comic fans. And Mm -hmm. we had it at the Silver Snail. And a half an hour before that party started, the campaign was funded. (laughs) You know, like a half an hour. So it it turned into our our success party instead of our launch party. You know, (laughs) it was really surprising. Um, But yeah, and it was the same thing with Johnny Knuck asked for Mm 23,000 to publish it and distribute it. And... um, we got 31, you know, and the next book that will happen, Mr. Monster, uh, that one is a much smaller book. So hopefully the cost will be low on that one. But I expect it to be as popular mm-hmm. because that character was readapted by an American artist in the 80s and was okay. very popular in the 80s. So I really think that uh, I really think that that one will be a big one as well. You know, people want to read these comics. Right. They're a treasure trove. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So it sounds like you're going to be working in this field for a while. Oh, yeah. I've, I've committed. I've committed. Like, I know that this is what I, I feel like I've done my civic duty as well. Can, <laughs> right. I, can I just say, like, after this, I feel like I can, I, I'll, I'll retire intellectually and just read them. I'll just read them. I'll go back to doing that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, no, I, I, I've, I've definitely, the next two or three years of my life, I've set aside to just 
at least put out the the most popular ones you know like you can tell which ones were the most popular mm-hmm. when they were being put out so put out the the ones that i know will at least translate the best into into modern culture and you know, do that. I want to do Major Domo and Jojo. Polka Dot Pirate, who's another fantastic female character. She'll be another small book, but, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Rex Baxter, who's kind of like a sci-fi hero. He's he's mm-hmm. fantastic. Oh, Thunderfist, so good. There's two splash pages. Uh, one of them, he's fighting a robot, and then the other one, he's fighting dinosaurs. That's the one I'm going to do after Mr. Monster. <laughs> so good. So, so good. I can't even tell you how amazing these comic books are. Wow. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. That's what basically what I'm. I know what I'm doing, and you know, that's that's good to have direction. Absolutely. Yeah. To learn more about comic books in Canada, please visit us at collectionscanada.gc.ca/comics. Also, don't forget to check our blog, thediscoverblog.com, for more content. You can find the content quickly by selecting literature from the category list on the right side of the webpage. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Jessica Ouvrard, and you've been listening to Discover Library and Archives Canada, where Canadian history, literature, and culture await you. A special thanks to our guests today, Rachel Ritchie, Hope Nicholson, and Megan Scanlon. For more information about our podcast, or if you have questions, comments, or suggestions, please visit us at bac-lac.gc.ca slash podcasts.